day entitled The Value of One. There was a young man sitting in class that night by the name of Eric Replock. And uh, Brother Eric uh, went back to the dorms after that and he sat down. He was a music major and he sat down and penned that song and the lyrics to that song off of a Bible College Chapel message. Now, listen, you think nothing good happens in College Chapel? You never know what the Lord's going to do or when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, or may I say this, with whom he is going to do it. He is the Lord. He can do whatever he wants to. And so it's good to be here with you tonight. And I thank you for your prayers. I got a good night's sleep tonight. Now that might be dangerous for you tonight. And, uh, but it is good to be here. And uh, Brother Kovacs, it is good to see you again. He, he came up and greeted me before the service and I looked at him and I was like, it's, you, you ever had one of those where you're like, okay, I, I think I know this person. And uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but how many understand that your standard response is, it's good to see you, brother. It's good to see you, sister, right? When you can't remember somebody's name. And then I saw Pastor Han talking to him, and I looked and saw Rock of Ages. I said, ah, oh, I know who that is. And so it's been about six years since we've been in a meeting together, and I thank the Lord for him being here tonight. I thank the Lord for you being here tonight. And uh, well, boy, what a blessing it is. Brother Terry, I, well, yeah, there you go. It's good to see you again. And I thank the Lord for safety and getting the word of God. Brother Philion, I noticed on your display that you have... Um, French, John and Romans, do you not? From BPS Canada. I didn't even know there was a BPS in Canada. Brother Terry said, yeah, I guess it makes it a lot easier to get it across the border instead of just uh, printing them, assembling them there than having to go through all the hoops. But uh, I thank the Lord for that and for the work of bearing precious seed. We've been blessed to have many thousands uh, yay, tens of thousands of scripture, probably hundreds of thousands of scripture uh, from bearing precious seed. I rejoice in that. This morning, while most of the kids were in school, you were at work. The young man that works with us, Tan, Juntasunk, was unloading our 41st container of scripture. That's a 12-hour time difference. So it was morning for us, but it was, it was night for them. They were working. He was sending me pictures and videos. And so I thank the Lord for the work of Bearing Precious Seed, other ministries like that that help us get the, uh, the word of God. I got word today that uh, uh, ministry is producing 50,000 Chinese for us. And now listen, I'm not, uh, I, you just look at me. I don't look Asian, do I? So I'm not the one. Don't I'm not uh, God smuggler David Wilkerson. I that was Eastern Europe. I could pass for Eastern Europe. Matter of fact, coming back uh, this last time, we came through Turkey, and I had one of the the men there at the airport greeted me in Turkish, and I looked at him. I said, "Excuse me." He goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." He goes, "I thought you were Turkish." Uh, the first time I've ever been. Uh, you know, mistaken for that. Uh, I've been mistaken for a Georgia redneck before, but never for <laughs> Turkish. But uh, anyway, it is good to be here with you tonight. If you have your Bibles taken, open it anywhere. It's all good. <laughs> all right, just seeing if you're awake tonight. 
Take your Bibles, if you would, open to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Last night I spoke to you and I brought a message entitled The Scripturalness of Faith Promise. I really hope I laid a foundation and spoke to you scripturally so you could see it scripturally. Tonight I don't want to talk to you and, and, and if I could, I want to appeal to your logic. I want to talk to you logically about faith promise. Tonight I want to talk to you on this subject. Faith promise just makes sense. It just makes sense. And I'll, I'll, we'll get into it. Now tomorrow night, it, Lord willing, if we're here. Now listen, if the rapture happens, somebody turn the lights on. I won't be here. All right? But uh, if the rapture happens and you're still here, just turn the lights on and, and have church as, as normal. And uh, no, there won't be anything normal after the rapture. But uh, tomorrow night, Lord willing, I want to talk to you about faith promise practically. You know, I, I worked, I told you I worked for Caterpillar for many years. I worked as an experimental mechanic. And uh, that, that means that I worked with my hands a lot. I've got the scars to prove it. And, uh, but in having a toolbox and in working on engines and equipment and everything, I realized that tools are just that, they're tools. And then you've got to have a practical reason and ability with those tools. I don't look at sermons as just sermons to take up our time. They're tools and they've got to be practical in how we can use them and apply them. And so I hope that you'll come back tomorrow night. But tonight, if you would, look with me in Matthew chapter 28. It is the first time that we have what we refer to as the Great Commission. Now, now the word commission is not found in Scripture, but the word commission means with purpose. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, look with me in verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying this. What did he say? All power. You get that. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go ye therefore. Now, anytime you see therefore, you got to see why it's therefore. All right? Why? Because all power is given unto him. He has all the power. Right? Go ye therefore... And teach how many nations? All nations. Now, let me ask you a question. How many nations in the world are there? Don't, hey, young people, no Googling. Huh? You, you know the honest truth, and don't get mad at me yet. You can get mad at me later. But every, every church missions conference I've ever been a part of, most of the time, we as churches, we have, this is our mission's goal. This is what we want to accomplish. Can I tell you, God's already stated what he wants accomplished. He says it right there. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, the sad fact is, is most of the time we don't know how many nations there are. So how are we going to accomplish a goal that we don't realize what the goal is? You're looking for the answer. According to the United Nations, there are 196 recognized nations in the world to the United Nations. Now, I'm too much of a Baptist to recognize one of them because they recognize the Vatican as its own sovereign nation. 
But if there's any nation that needs the gospel, it's the Vatican. Now, that doesn't include uh, places like Puerto Rico. You understand Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. But most of the time, we in the United States look at Puerto Rico as its own entity. So if you include uh, things or places like Puerto Rico, then we're looking at 245. All nations. That's the goal. You support 245 missionaries? I guess that's the goal. To take you a, a map of the world and break it down into time zones. And by the way, they're not 24 time zones. Break it down into time zones and then look and see where you have missionaries at and look and see where you have missionaries that are not at. And that gives you a practical goal or guideline to start accomplishing Matthew 28, 19. Y'all are looking at me like you got sticker shock already. <laughs> Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to have class tonight. And there will be a pop quiz on it later. Let's pray. Father, please help us tonight, Lord, to understand logically your goal. Lord, our role in your goal. Lord, may we realize that faith promise just makes sense. If we will listen and we will understand, Lord, and I pray that you give me clarity of thought, but Lord, we do thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We do thank you that you love each and every one of us so much that you gave your only begotten Son for us. May we understand and realize, Lord, what you want accomplished. Lord, may we be willing to yield ourselves to you to accomplish that which you desire. Lord, we'll be very careful to give you the honor and the glory for what you do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. I have a question for you. We just read what we refer to as the first great commission. It's given four times in all four gospels and it's given in the book of Acts, your theme, Acts 1.8. Go ye therefore, or, or ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts. Jesus said ye shall be witnesses unto. Any English teachers in here? You know what the word unto means? It means until to, right? I think I used, to, if I remember right, it used, it's a conjective adverb or something like that. Don't quiz me, I went to school in Georgia. <laughs> but Jesus said we're gonna be witnesses until we get to him. And we're to be a witness until we get to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, who gave us this command at Matthew 28? Jesus did. Now, let me ask you a question. Who has the power to fulfill this command? Jesus did. Verse 18, all power is given unto me, Christ, 
Jesus Christ has all power. And then he turns around and gives us the great commission to go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now, do you think God would command us to do something that he wouldn't empower us or give us the ability or the means in which to accomplish his command? No. He's going to give us the power. That's why in Acts, he said before Acts 1.8, he said, you shall be endued with power. Wait for the promise of the Father which you've heard from me and, and wait until you be endued with power from on high. Hey, the Holy Spirit is still vital in the work of sharing the gospel locally and globally. All right? And so Christ would not give us a command that he would not give us the empowerment to obey that command and he wouldn't give us this command if he wasn't gonna provide the means for us in which to accomplish it. Now, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna illustrate. I asked your pastor tonight, I said, hey, I need, I need to call on some guys to use some guys. I said, I need somebody that, that you know, to portray Christ, somebody that would be Christ-like. And he said, well, I don't know that if this person would portray Christ-likeness, but he'd probably be somebody good to crucify because he's a deacon. Brother, Brother Henderson, would you, would you come up here, help us out? I need somebody to portray the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to pluck his beard off in a little bit. <laughs> Would you stand right over here? Thank you. I appreciate that. Let me pick on you. Your pastor gave me permission. <clears throat> he said it'd be good to humble one of the demons. I meant deacons. <laughs> Man. All right. Now, Brother Henderson's Christ. All right. Can y'all get that? I know it's hard, but. Can you picture that? He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you understand that John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. You, you understand that God the Father gave his son, his only begotten son for all the world, right? John 3, 16 says the world. And that means cosmos. It does not say the elect. I like what Spurgeon said, the elect are the whosoever will, and the non-elect are the whosoever won't. We still have a whosoever will salvation, a whosoever will Bible, but God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, God gave the payment for the world. Have you freely received Christ? The Bible says freely have received, freely give, Right? All right, so God the Father gave his son, he gave him, and the Lord Jesus is the payment for our sins, right? All right, so he's the one that gave the payment. Do you know that God the Father gave us his word? Do you know what his word is? His word is the receipt for the payment. Pastor, if, if I told you if I said, what is the church bank account? Because I'm going to deposit a million dollars into the church bank account. What would you say? You'd say, yeah. He said, come with me. <laughs> you know why? Because we just can't believe that that would happen. 
But if I said, what is the church? If I went to Miss Kaylee and I found out the church bank information and I went and I deposited a check and I came and I said, hey, here's the receipt from where I deposit a million dollars into the church account. You'd believe it then, wouldn't you? Do you understand that's what this word is? It's the receipt for the payment. There's times when I worked secularly, people would ask, they'd say, How, why, why do you believe that? How do you believe that and everything? I said, because I have his word. Amen. And they'd say, well, that's just a book of fairy tales. And I said, to you. I said, but we used to have a day and age where all a man would have to do is say, I give you my word, and that was good enough. And then we got to a point where a man would have to shake hands, and he'd say, all right. It was sealed with a handshake. And now we're at a point that we do it in triplicate, right? See, God, long before we ever thought about it, God said, I'll put it in writing. He gave us his son, that's the payment. He gave us his word, that is the receipt for the payment. Brother Daniel, would you come up here and help me? The Lord gave us his church, that is the vehicle, right? Come up here, right here, you're with me. He's the church, all right? Now, God gave us his son, that's the payment. Then God gave us his word, that's the receipt. And God gave us the church, that is the vehicle by which the payment gets translated and transmitted to the world. I needed somebody that would most resemble the world in your church. And your pastor said, pick on my brother. <laughs> brother Adam, come on up here. Most resembles the world. To your dad, it's the beard, bro. <laughs> uh, I know their dad, all right? So, but, but, but wait a minute. God gave us his son. That's the payment. And God loves the world, right? And God wants the world to know about his son. In between the cross, the message of the cross and the world is the church. And it's the church's job. You understand, you remember from last night, we are the church. This building is not the church. So it is our responsibility because we have freely received, right? Then we are to freely give because God gave his son, then God gave his word, and really God gave us the church and he said, I did all of that because I want the world to know about that message. Right? All right. So God would not have done any of this for us to sit here and go, well, I just don't know really what I can do. There is something that every single one of us can do because we have freely received, have we not? The Bible says freely have received, freely give. You with me? All right. Give these guys a hand. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. You know, when you stop and think about the message of the cross and then the church and then going to the world and you stop and realize there's over 8 billion people in the world today and it still comes back to the cog is right here because that's already been taken care of. And they're still waiting, right? Now they're waiting on us, the church. 
So many times we're sitting here looking and we're scratching our head and we're wondering and just signing. You know, the reality is, folks, is what does it take to send men like Brother Daniel with the message of the cross to the world of England? What does it take? Let's just be real. It takes money. It takes money. It takes men and it takes money to accomplish it. And you and I can have a part in that. The kids sang the song tonight about who will go. The honest truth is, is a lot of times it's easy for me as a preacher to come into churches like yours and to preach about faith promise and get you to give financially. Because the truth is, is sometimes it salves our conscience to put money in the plate than it is for us to get an active role in some way, shape, or form besides just writing a check. You can get mad at me now. All right? It takes money. Now, does God want them to hear the message? Yeah, because he, he took care of the hard part. Realize that. Are you saved tonight? Then you understand, we don't believe in a works-based salvation. There's nothing you or I did to work to get our salvation. He did it all. Well, if he did it all, and I'm not going to spend one second in hell, why is it always such a conflict for us to be obedient to the Great Commission? Our flesh, our sin nature, all of those things. Now, did God provide the answer? Yes, he did. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a child of God? You're a child of God. Samuel, would you help me out? Come here. Samuel, are you a child of Seth? Yes. All right, come up here. Did a good job tonight. Now, I have a question for you. I turned you around so your dad can't look at you and give you the answers. Let's do this so your mom can't give you the answers either. You live in your parents' house, right? Yes. Do they make you pay rent? They don't. Huh. You live rent free? Yes, sir. It doesn't cost you anything to live at your parents' house? No, sir. Huh. Are there rules in the house you got to obey? Yes, sir. Ah. <laughs> you got to clean your room? Yes, sir. That's one of the rules, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do they make you help pay for groceries? No, sir. No? I bet you eat a lot of groceries, though, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, help cut the grass, stuff like that. You got chores you got to do? Yes, sir. You do. You got chores you got to do. Huh. So your dad provides for you, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. But there's just things he expects you to obey and do, right? Yes, sir. Huh. Are you a child of God? Yes, sir. Hmm. You paying rent? You're breathing his air. You're living on his earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. Huh. 
I guess if we then being evil know how to give good things to our children, how much more shall your heavenly father? Two times it says, once it says give the Holy Spirit to them that ask, and the other times it says give good things to them that ask. Do you like ice cream? Yes, sir. Yeah, me too. I saw their video talking about dairy and the ice cream, that cone. I said, glory to God. Why is there not an ice cream dessert social after the service tonight? <laughs> you like ice cream? Yes, sir. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. If you didn't clean your room and you didn't do your chores, you think mom's still going to cook supper for you? Yeah. Is that because of your obedience? Is it because of their character? Their character. Uh-huh. Their char- your character too. Do you know that? <laughs> so they're still going to put a roof over you. Do they ever kick you out when you don't clean your room? No, sir. No. No. They still put a roof over your head, right? Yes, sir. They still put clothes on your back? Yes, sir. And they still put food in your stomach? Yes, sir. That's not because of your obedience. Or disobedience. No, sir. It's because of who they are. Yes, sir. Do you get ice cream if you don't clean your room? Depends. <laughs> well played. Depends on how much you uh, butter up, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. So sometimes you appeal to mom's mercy. Yes, sir. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You understand that God's going to provide for us because he's our father. God's not necessarily going to bless us when we're disobedient. But it doesn't mean he's not going to provide for us. Listen to me, far too long we as Christians have only been content with just the provisions of God instead of the blessings of God. The blessings come by obedience. And that great commission is a test of obedience. We can't come and say, oh, you're a good and gracious father and be disobedient children and expect his blessings unless we appeal to his mercy. Hmm? We serve a very good and very gracious father. Thank you, Samuel. Who takes care of us and provides for us regardless. Right? God just simply expects us to obey and do our part with what he's provided, right? Would you do me a favor? Would you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9? 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Brother Henderson, that's in the Old Testament. (laughs) I'm teasing. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Look with me down in verse number 7. Paul is writing to the most carnal church in the New Testament and he asks them a question at the beginning of verse number 7. He says, Who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? 
Now you stop and think about that. Brother McNeese, would you help me out this evening? You stop and think about that. Paul says, who goes to war at any time at his own charges? Brother McNeese serves our military. And thank you so much for that. Amen. Amen. Brother McNeese, when, when you signed up, when you joined the, did you, you joined, right? You volunteered? You signed up for this insanity. Yes, sir. Amen. When you signed up, did they tell you, all right, go down to the local Army Navy surplus store and buy you a uniform? No, no sir, they didn't. They, did, they provided you, they provide, we provide you that uniform? Yeah. yeah. Amen. <laughs> huh. Huh. I, I bet with uh, basic training, you, as soon as you signed up, I bet they provided you with a haircut too, didn't they? Yeah, uh, so I've heard, amen. I grew up with an uncle and a father who always made sure I had marine haircuts. And so, but they provided you with that. So when you signed up, that they tell you, now listen, you, you need to make sure that you uh, bring your own rifle when you come? Nope, yes, sir. So our government provides you with a rifle? Yes, sir. So, so we provide you with everything you need to serve us. Absolutely. Huh. O on top of providing all that, does the army give you a salary? A little one. <laughs> hmm. Evidently it's good enough. You're still in it. Do, do they provide you with health care? Yes, they do. Huh. Dental? Man, pretty good gig, huh? Not bad. Yeah. Oh. Matter of fact, if, if my memory serves correct, even when you get out, you will have medical available to you, right? Yes, sir. Man, so you mean to tell me that our government understands what it takes to enable or empower people to protect us and to do the job. And they don't just provide for them to do the job. They also pay them. Huh. You know, isn't that pretty funny that our government understands faith promise? Huh? Who, who gave the Great Commission? Jesus did. Who wants the world to be saved? God does. It's a spiritual warfare, folks. So who goeth to war at his own charges? You think if God would give us the Great Commission, he's not going to empower us and give us the wherewithal to accomplish what he wants accomplished? You're looking at proof that humanly governments get it. Why don't we get it? Thank you, Brother McNeese. Thank you for serving our country. You know, I told you last night I used to work for Caterpillar Incorporated. Do you understand worldly corporations practice faith promise? They don't call it faith promise. Caterpillar called it a reimbursable expense account. It was called end of the month accounting report. Caterpillar basically said, and 
before them, I worked for an explosives company here in the state of Georgia. Now, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. You get paid to go blow up things. That was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Y'all are getting nervous now. You're wondering, <laughs> was he here early? No, you don't see any debt cord around here. Amen. But, uh, but the reality is, is both of those corporations, they, got, they basically said, okay, listen, we're hiring you to do a job, and listen, when you go out and do the job, you've got a vehicle, and that vehicle, if it needs gas, put gas in it and just keep the receipt, and guess what? We'll reimburse you. You got to stay overnight on a job site. You go to a hotel, just, just keep the receipt, and we'll reimburse you. We're going to hire you to do a job and then we're going to take care of the expenses for you to be able to do the job we hire you to do. Oh, on top of that, we're going to pay you a salary as well and we're going to give you benefits. They don't call it faith promise, but in essence, we as employees have to step out by faith on the promise that they're going to pay us back and by the way, if they don't pay you back, you don't stay there. Why do you stay with the Lord? I guess because the Lord's good, is he not? Amen. How is it, why is it that worldly corporations get faith promise and we have a hard time with it? Why is it that our own government gets faith promise? They don't call it faith promise, but in essence, that's what it is. We have a hard time understanding and realizing that God's the one that gave the great commission. God's the one that gave his son for the world. And God's the one that loves the world far more than we do. How many of you like cats? Ladies raise their hand. How many of you men like cats? We got a few over here. Amen. I hate cats. When I left the pastorate, my third daughter looked at me. We had two still at home, and they looked at me, and their whole world's going to be turned upside down. And for my third one, that just was not sitting well with her. And she looks at me because I moved them from a 2,300-square-foot brick home into a 320-square-foot motor home. Yeah, a wife and two teenage daughters. I never saw the bathroom. <laughs> I'm kidding. My wife will say I was in there more than the girls. But I did that, and my third daughter looked at me, and she said, Dad, she had a cat. The cat's name was Aggie. And she looked at me, and she says, Dad, she said, now, I'll tell you where I wanted Aggie to go. <laughs> she said, Dad, Aggie's coming with us, isn't she? Now, I'm turning a daughter's world upside down. I'm not about to take the one thing that is going to comfort her in all of this. Do you know cats, do you understand the term hairball? Yeah, seeing a 2,300 square foot home didn't bother me. 
I'm not around the hairballs. You, you know what a hairball is, right? Yeah, not around it. She saw it. She took care of it. Kept me good. A 320 square foot motorhome. Yeah. Especially since how the litter box was right there in that little bitty hallway by the bathroom. Now, now listen, you understand that I'm of the age that in the middle of the night, there's a certain room I need to visit. Do, do you understand that when that cat would have a hairball, and inevitably it was always in that little bitty hallway, and, and you get up in the middle of the night with bare feet and you're headed to the bathroom, step into something and you're thinking I'm going to kill that cat and the next morning that cat is curled up with your daughter and you're sitting there looking I want to kill that cat and your daughter's petting that cat loving on that cat because she loves that cat I didn't kill that cat. I tolerated that cat. Not because I loved that cat, but because I loved the one that loved the cat. Now listen to me. We don't obey the Great Commission because we necessarily love the world all the time. But we ought to do it because we love the one that does love the world. And we have a hard time sometimes with our love. Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Matthew 28, Mark 16, John chapter 20, Acts 1.8, Luke 24. All the times that we have the great commission, it is because God loves the world. Folks, faith promise just makes sense. Worldly corporations get it. Governments get it. Our problem isn't that we don't get faith promise. Our problem is that our heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I say I love. Can I make several statements? I'm not preaching these. I'm just making statements. And it'll be done. Can I remind you tonight... Faith promise is not your tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. Faith promise is an offering above and beyond the tithe. God said to Israel and Malachi, he says, I have an issue with you, a controversy. And they said, where in? And God said, you've robbed me. And they said, where have we robbed thee? And God said, in tithes and Offerings does not say or. Listen, if you're only tithing, that's only partial obedience. We are commanded to give above and beyond. And listen to me. If you come to me and you say tithing's Old Testament, I believe in grace given. That's fine. But according to Matthew chapter 5, grace grows greater than the law. Jesus said, you have heard. 
You've heard thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you look on a woman and lust after her in her heart, you've committed adultery already. The law said don't do it. Jesus said don't even think about it. Grace, that is grace. Grace grows to a higher extent than the law. So if you believe in grace given, I hope you're given more than 10%. I'm all for grace given. But don't come tell me that grace given is an excuse for you to give less than the tithe. That's not scriptural. You get mad at me on that. It's still in the book. Faith promises not the tithe. Number two, faith promises not figuring out what you can give. I think many times that's where people get disillusioned with faith promise is because you're looking at your budget and your checkbook and you're trying to figure out what you can give. If you can figure out what you can give, God will let you figure out how to give it. That is why your pastor said last night, and I reiterate it, you take that commitment card and pray, 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 pray. Lord, what will thou have me to do? Hey, you remember I told you in worldly corporations and faith promise, do you understand more was expected of management than there was of salary? So what do you mean by that? When I was in management and we would go to a job site or something, guess what it was pretty much expected on? The client, if you took him out to eat, he didn't pick up the tab. You picked up the tab. You know why? Your management. More was expected. I'm not just turning in a receipt to pay for my reimbursement, but now I'm helping to ensure that we have a good working relationship with our client. More was expected. Hey, listen, if you're an older, more mature manager in your Christianity, I guess maybe more is expected. If you're a brand new Christian, man, start with tithing and just giving a little above the tithe. It's going to be hard enough for you to, you're going to look going, I'm going to give God 10%. Yeah, 10% of all your increase. People are going, do you know how much money that is? Oh, I know how much it would be if I had to pay rent on oxygen. Huh? Faith promises not figuring out what you can give. Number three, I'm done. Faith promises not being foolish about the amount that you promise. It's about being prayerful. It's not about being foolish It's about being prayerful, seeking God's direction as to what he would have each and every one of us to do. Listen, God doesn't ask all of us to do the same thing. When I worked in corporate, I made good money. I told you last night, when I stepped out of Caterpillar to go in the ministry, I took an 80% cut in pay. Can I tell you? I couldn't give that first year, those first years in ministry like I could when I worked in corporate. No amount of faith, nothing to do with it. It just would have been foolish. But through the years, I've been able to little by little by little, trusting the Lord 
seeing the Lord work, stepping out by faith. And God doesn't ask us to leap tall buildings, folks, but he asks us to take one more step. One more step. Listen, it just makes sense that if God would give the great commission, all power is given unto him, that he would give us the wherewithal to obey what he's commanded us to do. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help us tonight. Lord, to just look at faith promise, I say logically. But Lord, there's so many examples that we see in the world, in our government. They don't call it faith promise, but Lord, that's what it is. I pray you'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray you'd help us to stop and realize that feeling that we felt when we were under conviction and we knew that we were lost and headed for hell. And then, Lord, I pray you'd help us to stop and think about the joy that flooded our soul when we placed our faith and trust in you. And then, Lord, I pray that we would think about the person that was instrumental in showing us and helping us to make that decision to trust you. Realize, Lord, tonight we have an opportunity through this conference and through our decision, through seeking your face, to be instrumental and possibly millions of others having that same joy of knowing you as Savior. So Father, please, use your word tonight. May we seek your face and see what you'd have us to do. We ask in your precious name. Would you stand with me, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist begins to play. Altars are open. Lord spoke in your heart. Come, do business with the Lord. Seek his face as to what he would have you to do.